So let's, let's talk about what God's doing in your life, what he wants to do in your life, and what he has planned for your life as we look at him. Uh, did you spend some time with him in his word this week, at least five minutes a day, five days last week? Did you do that? Yeah. Did you share God's story with someone this week? Uh, did you spend some time alone with him with no agenda? Well, do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you then? Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you invite someone to church with you this week? Yes. <laughs> All right, so we started dwindling as we went along, as you noticed. There's uh, invite cards there. You can take them to give to people, invite them. The offering boxes are there and there in the back, and um, the altar's right here. So just to make sure we're all on the same page and what God's doing in our lives, we want to make sure that we're embracing the fullness of the gospel and what God is trying to do in our life. So before I, um, I, I ask these accountability questions, we try to do it every week. And uh, then I want to say something about the worship today and say thank you for you involving yourself and engaging in, with God in worship. So as I was over here, uh, I usually sit up here in the front because I'm easily distracted by stuff. And so, uh, yeah, so Nick was distracting me. All right. So I'm saying this for a reason, right? So he was distracting me. And so I had to like discipline myself. This is no disrespect to you or anybody else. Just hear me out. So I was like, okay, I don't want that to be a distraction to me. I want to engage with God. And so for discipline for myself... I couldn't look in this direction. I had to just look up at that screen and keep my focus because discipline is an act of love and worship of God, and it's a discipline in your life, right? And so I was doing that and just like, all right, Lord, I'm here for you, and I got to put that out of my mind. And so, you know, I raise my hands and I clap with everybody and all that stuff. And so maybe my waving my hands is a distraction for you, and you have to pray over me. I just want you to know there's one more row in front of me if you need it. But I'm saying all that because it was pretty funny as I was talking to God in my worship saying, Lord, don't let Nick be a distraction to anyone else and help me to stay focused. <laughs> I'm serious. That's how I was praying. So the Lord gave me this cool vision of something that I want to share with you. Um, so I'm a football fan. I don't know if you all are, but you know, yeah, if you're not, it's totally fine. I just want to point something out to you because... At every football game, there's one person at least in the stands that the camera always finds that's over the top in who they are for their team, right? Yeah. They're the ones that have the face painted, the yeah. stuff all over them, and, and they're like that, you know, they're like, they're the radical fan. So that's Nick. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, just, yeah. I'm glad. I, uh, I, <laughs> I'm just saying that because I think it's funny how God does that. He was like, then I was like processing some things out. Like there's the other people that maybe wear the jersey. And then there's other people that kind of just sit there and watch the thing, thinking about it. And we're all here. Okay, it's okay. One of the things we always tell everybody is we're not a perfect church or perfect people. We are here because we know we need God's help. Jesus Christ is the answer to our need. And so when you see someone that may be not like you or different or anything, just know that God is working in their life as well as yours and just let them be who they are with, um, I will, I've coached Nick, he knows this. Um, like, all right, you got to let our worship team lead. All right, just, I want you to celebrate with God, but don't take over and let God fill you. No, I mean that sincerely. It's part of our learning how to worship God, right? So some of us out here are still struggling in ourselves to worship God, and we're even scared to raise our hand. Amen, right? So we're like, he's over the top, but we're over here like, I love you, Jesus. We're whispering to him, you know? And God's inviting us to, to like come to him. And so some of us probably need to, as much as I need to coach Nick to like keep it in, you know, in a good, healthy place. Um, some of us need to be put into a nice, healthy place where you're a little bit more engaging of God. Yes. Just want you to, to know that. And it was a good thing for me. And so in the last song, I was able to completely uh, block everything else out. But just talking to God and listening to the words of that song as he speaks to me. And I'm so grateful. Thank you for just being here. Thanks for letting me be who God made me, but 
being changed by Jesus. And thanks for being you. One of the things that I love about this church is you just come like you are, and we, we're so glad because God's not waiting for you to look a certain way or act a certain way. He's invited you into a relationship with him. And after we come to him is when he does the transforming work. That's when he does it. So don't think you're going to fix yourself for God. You can't. You're broken, unfixable. That's why Jesus came. The only way to get fixed is through Jesus Christ. So looking back, if you weren't here last Sunday, I want you to know that you can always look online and our services are there. You can listen to podcasts of the services, watch them live if you want, or um, you can watch them later in the week. So thanks for everybody joining us online. And next Sunday is our uh, first of the month. We'll be down at the Gospel Rescue Mission. Uh, well, we won't be, but some of our team will be, and we'll be live streaming down there to uh, minister to those people down there. It's a pretty cool thing that's going on, so thank you for that. But last Sunday, uh, we were looking in God's Word, and His Word challenges us about some significant stuff about kids, and we're all kids, and uh, the fact that we're supposed to honor our father and mother. And God said to us that we should do it because He's our God, not because our parents earned it, not because they deserved it. Some of them are good. Some of them have been bad. It doesn't matter. God says, because you belong to me, you need to honor your father and mother. And if you'll do that, I'll do something for you. So God's called us into this amazing relationship where he gives us conditional promises. God's promises, not all of them are conditional, but many of them are. God says, I will, if you will act and I'll act. So he invites us into an engaging, working relationship. It's not one-sided. Our salvation is absolutely done only by God. He's the one that redeems us and saves us. But he invites us into this relationship where you and I have to engage him and move in obedience to what he's calling us to. So in light of last week's service and where you are today, I'm going to ask you all, have you forgiven your parents? I heard some no's. I hear some laughter. Maybe they because mom's sitting next to her. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, we have to. So, like, it's important for us as we move on that what God was saying to us last Sunday is a huge thing. We need to forgive our parents. No matter what they have or haven't done, no matter who or who they aren't, we need to forgive them. So we come to this point in which we have to act in full obedience to what Christ has said to us because God's word tells us that God will forgive us the same way we forgive others. So if you don't forgive your parents, God says, I'm not forgiving you. Okay, so what I'm saying is it's not an option. And it's not a matter of waiting or making them wait. Do you want God to wait? No, we want immediate this as well. So do you forgive your parents? Yes. Will you now if you haven't yet? Thank you. So now the next step in that is have you forgiven yourself as a parent? There should be more words than just a few that I just heard. So I'm going to ask it again. Because if you haven't, you need to. Have you forgiven yourself as a parent? See, the, the, it's sometimes easier to forgive others than it is to forgive ourselves. And so in that process of forgiveness, God is saying to us, you need to release yourself because we can look at ourselves and condemn ourselves so much that we don't live in the freedom that he brought to us. And so God's forgiven us, so we need to forgive ourselves and step into the fullness of what that means in my relationship with him. So if you haven't forgiven yourself, please do that right now. I'm giving you a second. You good? It's important because you see what, what we're doing is looking at what God has been calling us into as individuals and as a church. So what God's asking us to do right now is to come into this full understanding of what it means to have this relationship with him because this foundation of forgiveness is critical for the entire existence of life for you and for me. Because we're going to read these verses that we read last Sunday to you found in Matthew chapter 7. This was part of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. 
When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Some of us in this very room have tried to live life our own way and tried to handle stuff, and we've ended up completely crashed. When life comes at us, it's tough. We can't handle it. We can't deal with the challenges in life. And Jesus is trying to talk to us and saying something to us. There is this aspect of obedience that is absolutely necessary for the follower of Jesus Christ. And what he tells us right here is, you must follow my teachings. And if you follow my teachings and you ground yourself in in this foundation, which is me, the stuff that's going to come your way will not destroy you. You will be able to stand when the tough times come. So when we come to Christ, we say, yes, Lord, forgive me. God does this amazing work of redemption in our hearts. God does all the work, saves us, forgives us of all of our sin. That's God's work. Then God says, now walk with me, a follower of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says to us, church, go and make disciples of all nations, right? What does he tell us to do? baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples my commandments. Lo, I am with you to the ends of the earth. All right? So here's the thing. Jesus says, first off, there's this moment where people say yes to Jesus. We baptize them in the faith, and then they have to learn what it means to follow Jesus. That's the discipleship process we're talking about. That's us growing in our faith. And that's what the Bible teaches us about this this growing in maturity in our faith where we become more like Christ as we grow. So, going back to the scriptures right here, what he's calling us to, Jesus said, if you want to be able to live life and withstand all that the world throws at you, you must build your life upon what I say and act accordingly. Therefore, the Word of God is calling us to a life of Christian living outside of church. That's why we talk about these accountability questions. Are you spending time in God's Word on your own throughout the week? Are you spending time with God in prayer? Are you listening for what the Holy Spirit is saying? Are you sharing your faith out there? Are you giving to God your time, talents, and resources the way He's asking you to? All right, so it's the living relationship with God that exists outside of church. It's easy to be a Christian in church. It is. We can cordially smile at one another, shake hands, even give someone a hug. You can lift your hands in worship, sit in worship, and everybody will just accept you. But when you go outside in the world, things are different. And you've got to be able to live your faith out there when everything in the world is coming at you. So Jesus promised us in his word right now, in this scripture we just read, he said that spending time with him, knowing what he means, what he teaches is critically important because that's the foundation you build your life on. Because, as you see, he says, there are stuff that comes at all of us the same. So he mentions those who build their house upon the rock and those who build it on the sand. When the rains come, the floods come, and the winds come, So he's telling us that all of us, believers and non-believers alike, are going to deal with the junk in the world. It's coming at us, man. Stuff's happening all the time. We have to be grounded on the Word of God, not settling to be a spiritual people. Please don't use that terminology. You're not a spiritual person. You're a Christian. You've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. All right? You're not a religious person. You have a relationship with God Almighty. All right, And if we're not living that relationship with them daily, then maybe you are just a spiritual person or a religious person. But God says in his word to us, the only way you're going to stand in this world is if you're actually living and standing upon the truth of God's teaching to us and what it means to be a believer. So there's going to be stuff coming at us, right? The Christian life does not mean we're absent from challenges, trials, difficulties of every kind. Because you're a Christian, God doesn't say, okay, now that you're saved, I'm going to bring you over here and protect you in this padded room. The Word of God teaches us that we still live in a broken world. And the broken world affects our lives. People, please understand this. 
I am surprised at the amount of Christian people and their response when they're being challenged with challenges that are difficult for them to deal with. When stuff happens in life, I hear Christian people saying things to me, and I don't know that it was you, but if it was you, you don't have to answer this time, okay? You can just be quiet, all right? But I am kind of surprised sometimes when someone's going through stuff, and they're telling me about it, and they say something like this, is God punishing me? I think God's mad at me. Why is this happening to me? All right, so we're going to say a little bit more there, but just pause. God's word does says that he disciplines those he loves, but God's discipline is not done in anger. It's done in love. Because if you have a relationship with him, he's trying to draw you into a deeper relationship with him. So his discipline is not done out of anger at you, but out of love for you. There's a big difference. So when stuff's happening in our life, all of a sudden it's not because God had a bad mood and he wanted to pick on you today. It's the fact that sin is in the world. And because of sin, there is destruction and brokenness everywhere. And the destruction and brokenness of sin in the world affects my life, even as a Christian. Jesus told us it would. It's right here in his word, right? Okay, so now here's a different response to it. A lot of, please... All right, I'm just going to say it flat out. Here you go. A lot of Christians will also do this. Like, it's coming, it's happening. Well, I refuse that in Jesus' name. I will not accept that. And I claim victory over it. Okay, I, I want to be very kind when I say this to you. Um, I, we do have victory over it. We should rebuke the enemy and the brokenness of the world in Jesus' name. But it doesn't mean it's not happening and it's not going to affect you. I mean, seriously, I mean that in the kindest of ways. I'm saying, look at what God's word teaches us. Jesus just said, build your house on the foundation of what I teach you. Live that way because storms are coming. High winds, floodwaters. And he said, it will destroy you if you are not on that foundation. Right? Okay, so what he's telling us is stuff's going to happen. And you're only going to make it if your life is built upon my teachings, who I am, and who I am in your life. Because there's so many different views of this. By the way, there's also some people like give the devil way too much credit. He's out there working. There is a spiritual attack against us. I'm not denying any of that. But some of us like act like he's behind everything that goes the wrong way in our life. And, um, and so it's not just that, you know... He's not omniscient or omnipresent. Satan isn't. You know that, right? He's only in one place at one time, and therefore he's not been with all of you today. I'm serious. But sin absolutely has been on each of you, not in your behaviors, but in the world around you affecting you. Okay? So we initiated and brought into this world all the brokenness that exists. God didn't. He always gets the blame for it, but we did it. God brought an answer to that brokenness. That's Jesus. Okay? All right. So we're going to be taken out of this world and away from the brokenness. But in the meanwhile, he's brought something to us in the middle of the brokenness. That's his grace, redemption, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, Jesus said, when we do what he says, we won't collapse. All right. So it's long been a belief of humanity, and it still exists today, even in the church, that when stuff goes bad, we're being judged, punished, God's angry, this, that, and the other thing. Well, this is what Jesus said. He's talking to his disciples, and he knows their heart, he knows their thoughts, he knows the ideas they have in their head. And they are still picturing this amazing throwover of the Roman Empire that Jesus is going to sit physically upon King David's throne in Israel and they're going to be the world power. That's the disciples' view of things. So Jesus is telling them, like, just want you guys to know everything you think is going to get all jacked up. <laughs> everything is going to go against everything that's going on. It's going to get absolutely crazy here pretty quick. He knew he was going to be taken and crucified. They didn't. He tried to tell them 
but through their own thinking of how things should be, how they want them to be, how they expected them to be, how the church taught them they would be, they didn't hear them. Please let that sink in. And so even while Jesus was saying, hey, it's about to get nuts, they didn't even hear it. He says this, and then he gives us these amazing words, church. Check it out. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. That's a pretty cool thing right there. He's like, I already know you're clueless. I know you're going to be overwhelmed when this all happens. Here's the deal. I'm letting you know that's going to happen. I'm going to let you know that this is happening to you so that you can have peace in me. Don't trust yourself. That's what he's telling us right here, right? He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. That's a pretty powerful word from our God. Do you hear me, church? Mm -hmm. On earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Have you ever been sorrowful in your heart? Have you yeah. felt that feeling of that, like that weight? He says many. Have you been facing some challenges and trials in your life? Yes. The one that you're facing now seems the biggest you've ever faced in your life, but just think for a moment back and you know that you faced other trials and you survived. So he's telling us something right here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus is like, you know, it's all happening. There's all kinds of stuff going on, but I've dealt with all of it. So have peace in me. Sin is what brought the destruction of life on the planet. And what affects you and I in our lives is the effect of sin. So Jesus said, this is going to happen. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to go through it. I'm going to be there to help you go through it. He didn't remove us from it. I'm going to be there to take you through it. Because of the constant war that sin has on humanity. See, uh, without going into great detail, just so we have an understanding of something. See, God created us and gave us dominion over this planet. We were the supreme being here, and it was our world and our authority that ruled here. When Adam and Eve sinned, they gave that dominion and power and rulership to Satan. Sin entered the world. That's where death, brokenness, disease, and all that is, all that is bad in the world came from our surrender of our rightful place from God over to the darkness. This war that is raging is a war between Satan and God all about Satan wanting to be God and not being allowed to be God. So now he desires to be our God. And so he is trying to destroy us and our faith and our relationship with God because in so doing, we declare him God of our life. Man, think, let that sink in, church. Because if you're not following Jesus, I hate to tell you, but Satan's your God. It's the truth of God's word. All right, so now I look at this and it's like there's this war that's happening between flesh and sin and the Redeemer, God. Now that war's taking place. Now then, there's also a spiritual battle that's happening that God's word declares to us because if we know God's word, we know we are already warned. That there is a battle raging in this battle that is going on in the unseen by human eye uh, world is as real as you and I are. And God's word says that this battle is going on over you and me. So the enemy is trying to destroy you and I. It's trying to destroy your marriage, destroy your family, destroy the church, destroy any institution that resembles anything of wholeness because the enemy hates God he hates who he is and all about him and therefore because you and I as believers are about him we are the sworn enemy of Satan and his minions therefore God's word says there is a battle taking place 
all around you. So now you're not only fighting with a battle in your flesh where sin is calling out to you, but there's a spiritual battle happening and there's a war raging to destroy you and make you make the wrong choices and fall away from your faith in God. That's happening. Okay. Our lives are in the midst of this. There's this tornado of stuff happening. And we're right there in the middle of it. Isn't that amazing? It's right there whether you either have faith or you don't. This is what Jesus was talking about. When you know these things that I've taught you and you hold to what I say and you live the way I've commanded you, you're going to stand when all that craziness is going on. Because the wind's going to come one day, the rain's the next, the flood's the next. But if you hold on to me and stand on the truth of who I am, it's not going to take you down. Amen? Yeah. See, right there, right there, is do you believe your faith enough to embrace it when you face it? That's what it's all about right there. James says this to us. Y'all know this verse. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many of you are facing an opportunity? What's going to happen? Okay, all of us are facing an opportunity. It is an opportunity. It sucks in the moment because it's a challenge. It's rain, it's winds, it's storm. It's a battle that's raging around us. James is like, listen, here we are as people of God. This is the cool thing. I love the book of James. It's so practical. He's like, just, hey, Christian church, consider an opportunity for great joy when you have this stuff going on. He goes on and says this, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. He's like, hey, you already know this. You've been through enough that you've seen the results of when you've said yes and followed God's ways and when you didn't. He knows you've, you've been devastated in your past because you didn't stand to the truth. But then there's those moments where you have stood in the truth and you have great victory in it. So he's like, look, you already know this. You have this opportunity right now that your faith is being tested so you have a chance to grow. So let it grow. That's his next words. (laughs) So embrace it, man. Don't run from the challenge, the storm, the stuff that's happening right now. He's saying, let it grow. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. Step into it. Okay, God, I am believing you through this mess that when all of it happens, I'm going to still be standing and you're going to be God and I'm going to survive. That's God, man. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay, so he's teaching us and showing us once again how our faith grows, how we become more Christ-like, and we mature in our walk with him, right? And he's saying, through these trials and challenges, that's where your growth takes place. It's because when you're dealing with it, you know you need God. And as we go through life and the challenges come our way, we have to humble ourselves before God and seek Him and ask His help. And so He's saying, like, that's why these are opportunities for us. And we ought to be grateful for them, not because of the suckiness of what's happening, but because of the fact that I'm learning a greater dependence on God, and God is good to His Word, and He's always faithful in showing up. Whatever you're facing, it is an opportunity. So why don't we take a moment and grow and mature and become more Christ-like rather than stepping back and blaming God, talking to Him about it, accusing Him, telling everybody else they suck and what's wrong in the world and blaming everything going on. Why don't we just stop for a moment and say, God, I have this opportunity to bring you glory and I trust you. That's what His Word is calling us into. We've shared these scriptures with you a few times over the past few months. Do it again, Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Another translation, same, same terminology. Um, 
don't be anxious for anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need to thank Him for all He's done. So again, let's just pause for a minute and look what it's telling us. It's like, hey God, you got this. I know you do. And I want to thank you that I know that you have me. I remember how you helped me through these things. I remember how I failed you in these things. God, I recognize that you are my God and you have it. That's why he tells us to tell him what we need. God, I need your help today. Whatever I'm going to go through, I know I need you. Here it is. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. See, it doesn't change what's going on out there. We don't stop the onslaught because we say, oh, I trust you, and then all of a sudden, you know, this wave comes and removes that. No, what it does is it brings me peace because I'm standing firm in who God is. My faith has been engaged, and I know him. Therefore, I have the strength that he gives to us, and it's beyond my understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. No more head games. Don't go chasing off in the wind. Don't keep doing this, this circle up here in your mind. He's like, just trust me. I got you. I've got this. Trust me. And then he goes on and says, Now, dear friends, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about all things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So it's like getting our mind back focused on who God is and that he's in charge of my life, not all this stuff. And so when we focus on the things God is doing and not the stuff, we won't panic. There's no need to. We don't let our emotions dictate it where we run off somewhere. We trust him. His peace will guard your heart and mind. He won't let the head games go. So what we have to do is focus on God's stuff, not the broken stuff. We focus on God's stuff, not the world's stuff. We focus on God's stuff, not self's stuff. We focus on God's stuff, not the empty self. It's all about focusing on who he is, standing on the truth of what he says, believing him as this opportunity that he's presented to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And God, as, God's, as, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Yes. That, yeah, yeah God is good, man. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. We look at that word in this challenge of life, and I want you to know that, the, that the, as we're addressed as the people of God, here's what the apostle says to us, and it's a reality moment for us to understand what's happening in the world around us. So he says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We are perplexed. We're hunted down. We're knocked down. We are suffering. We live in constant danger of death. Our bodies are dying. We live in the face of death every day. So what the Apostle Paul is letting us know is, he's not like some guy in denial. He's not saying, none of this is real in Jesus' name, I ignore it. He's not telling everybody that we're not going to have to go through stuff in life. He's saying, here, guess what? 
We do face all that stuff out there. Welcome to the Christian life. Church, it's not welcome to the Christian life, it's welcome to life. Because you're a Christian, that's what gives you hope in the midst of it all. So this is what he says about all that stuff. Yes, all that is a reality of my life, but guess what? Here's another reality. We are not crushed. We are not driven to despair. We are not destroyed. We never give up. Our spirits are being renewed every day. Yes, this stuff is happening, but my God is bigger than all that stuff. Amen? That's what Paul's telling us. Yeah, that stuff's real in your life. I'm not ignoring it. We can't act like it's not happening. You guys are going through stuff all around the church. I know what's happening. God is good, though. Romans 5. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Man, that's so cool. Man, it's so good. God's telling us, like, in the Word, He's saying, like, when you face this thing, what's happening is you're being built up. Therefore, you're becoming more Christ-like. All right? And in that process that you do that, you recognize a greater understanding of God God is nowhere the God I thought he was when I first got saved. Man, was I dumb. And I'm still dumb. But I see him so much different than I did in the beginning. See, as your faith grows through these things and you get a greater understanding of him, and today I know this, God loves me, his Holy Spirit is inside of me, and I feel his love. I know his love. His love is present in our lives. So God is at work through every aspect of our lives to perfect our faith and bring us into Christ-likeness. So whatever's going on around you, it's not like God's like, well, I wonder how that happened, or good luck with that. (laughs) He's working through it. He didn't cause all of it. Some of us caused a lot of junk in our lives. He works through it. So he's calling us into Christ-likeness. So Here's the thing for all of you that are Christians. All of us that believe, are you a Christian? A follower of Christ? Okay, then. How's your attitude been about your current circumstances? That challenge that you're facing, what's your attitude been like about it? How have you been responding to that? That opportunity that God calls it in His Word. So through that situation, how can your faith grow? And how can you be more Christ-like? And how can God receive glory on how you would deal with it? Because all that is what God wants to come out of whatever you're facing. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from being proud. This is the Apostle Paul amazing man of God and this is what he says so uh, we act we recognize that there is a spiritual battle raging Satan is involved in trying to destroy us scripture right here the apostle Paul says something is afflicting me in my life and I know where it comes from right it's from the enemy himself here's the key church please hear this three different times I begged the Lord to take it away Please, God, please remove this. I'm hurting. It sucks. I can't take it. Please, I'm begging you, God. Nothing. God, please, I'm hurting. I can't take it. I need it removed. In the name of Jesus, I pray, remove it. Nothing. Paul says, I did it again. Three times I came to God. And you know what his answer was? My grace is all you need. That's not the answer we want. That's not the answer Paul wanted. Paul believed in God. He knew he was all powerful. He knew that God could do anything. 
And in that moment, he could heal him, take it away, and not have him afflicted. God's message back was, I'm giving you grace. Deal with it. That was his answer. My power works best in weakness. That's God saying that. Do you hear me, church? See, we're like, God, you have to. We're demanding him to move. We're demanding him to change circumstances. We're telling him he has to. We're binding him by his promises. And God's like, nope. You need me. And I'm reminding you that you need me. These circumstances that are happening in your life that you have no control over remind you that I'm God and you're not and you need me. So what does Paul do about it? He doesn't go whine about it. He's not blaming God. He's not telling God, but your word says this. You promise this. You say this. The church says this about you. None of that. Look what Paul says. So, now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure. Yeah, man. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, that's like, that is like the coolest thing. That's amazing challenge to us. He's like right there in my brokenness is where I'm actually the strongest. You know why? Because I'm completely dependent upon God and not upon self. Because when we depend upon self, we're going to collapse. And mighty will be the collapse when it happens. But when I'm weak and I'm broken, I need you. (laughs) I can't do it without you, God. That's where we become strong. So throughout my Christian life, I've, I've seen this pattern, church. God brings me to a place where I will surrender, that I must trust Him, and I must act in obedience to that trust. My life has been, and I believe all Christian lives, I think it's Scripture, and I think that's what we're talking about right here, is that you go from one surrender moment to another. They're not all major crises, you know, but there's one surrender moment to another. And as I look back over my life, I see some huge crisis that I had to surrender, trust God, and then act in obedience to what he says. And I see moments where he, it was like not so huge, like, hey, Dave, why don't you raise your hand and worship? That was a challenge God brought to me. And trust me, that was not easy for me to get over. I was like, if I raise my hand, people are going to look at me. They're going to think, oh, you're one of those. And you think you're that. No, you know, all that stuff was going on up here in the mind games. And it's like, okay, Lord, when I surrendered and lifted my hands, it was an amazing experience of God because it was a moment of surrender. Okay, now God has taken me to places where I'm like, no control, Dave. You got nothing. You do have me. What are you going to do about it? So this week I'm out in the horse pen. Uh, we have horses, and I'm cleaning the pens. It's one of my daily jobs. And um, it's a time where I meet with God because I don't have to use my brain for what I'm doing like usually I have to. And so I'm just kind of like there with him. And I was talking to him about my wife. And, um, you know, like Paul, I'm like begging him, like, God, you know, I can't even sleep through the night when she's not home. If she goes somewhere, I... I'm like that little broken child, you know. I'm like, uh, I'm messed up. So, God, you know I need her. She can't go anywhere. You got to fix her. (laughs) And so, you know, we're having this conversation, which we're supposed to. God's word says, right, bring your needs to him. God, I need Kim. I know she's yours. I know that's a reality in our lives. I know we're going to die. I've always told her I'm dying first. Every guy does. That's just the way it is. Every guy dies first, right? I mean, if you go into any of the, I'm, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm being honest and real, right? If you go into any of these old folks' home, it's 10 women to one guy. Like, the odds are stacked against us, right? So I'm just telling her, like, you're going to outlive me. So I have, a, I have a living will for her and the next guy that gets to have her. Uh, so... so <laughs> 
So anyway, we'll leave that alone. We don't want to talk about that right now. So um, I, <laughs> I'm out there talking to God like because none of this is okay. This does not go to the plan. Like, she's supposed to be okay. I'm not. And we're supposed to live old together. And, um, and so what's happening right now, God, you got to fix it and change it because the reality of what's there could be that she leaves me. And I'm like, I'm not okay with that. And I don't mean like I'm telling you that. I'm saying I'm telling me that. And I want you to know I'm not okay. And, and in that moment, God said, is she mine? And of course, I've given my wife to the Lord. You have to give your, your spouse, your family, your kids, everybody, everything. You have to give it all to God. So of course I give it her to you, Lord. She's yours. Is she mine? You know, I love her more than you do. I have a plan for her. And what if my plan is to bring her to be with me? So that reality came to me there in the pen, and it wasn't a... I, I want you to know, in, you know how you're in your flesh, you're just like, that's, a, that's real. See, it's that moment where you look in the Word of God and He's talking about how in those moments your faith becomes so real. It's like, I, I want y'all to know that I, I believe what God's Word says with all my heart. I'm, I believe it. I know she'll be with the Lord. And so as I was praying and talking to Him, I was like, man, that would be incredibly selfish of me to think she belongs with me if you desire for her to be with you. And I would want to hold her from you and your reward for her and for all the stuff she's had to put up with in her life and the things she's gone through. I was like, man, that, that absolutely puts that in perspective, God. And I surrender to you. I give her to you. And whatever you want, we trust you in it. And I will. So this is what I want you to know. This is not about Dave. This is all about God. That doesn't mean that I'm happy. That doesn't mean that I don't have emotions. See, the, the Apostle Paul said, you know, like we're hit. We're knocked down. We're being hunted. He would say, I feel all that stuff going on. But at the same time, we know we're secure. We're solid. It's Jesus. We got this, right? So it's that thing that's going on that's going on around us. And in that moment, when we finally say yes to him, like that surrender, I trust you, now I act in obedience. No more clinging to her like you can't leave me. It's like you can if God desires that, you're free. So in that surrender, God is saying, now, here I am. It's me and you. Yes, Lord. So I go in the house, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, keeping it together and composed of course not all the time trust me we've had all kinds of breakdowns this week where we just crying with one another and um you know i just walk in and then i finally um told her i'm like look man i had god was talking to me i had to give it to him she goes i know you were doing that i looked out in the pen and i saw you out there and knew exactly what you were doing and she was praying for me <laughs> isn't god awesome yeah See, now, I tell you that because like, God's so amazing and he's at work in your stuff. I want you to know that whatever you're facing, God's not like, I hope you do okay through that. <laughs> he's right there, man, and he's inviting us into his presence. And there are people praying for you the same way. They may not say anything to you, but God is having people pray for you. And he knows what's going on. And he lets them know what's going on. And they're lifting you up in prayer. God's amazing. Church, why are we wrestling with what we're wrestling and trying to deal with it on our own? God has called us to this place so that we could surrender to him and trust him through it. He's got you. So whatever you're facing, whatever's going on in your life, I'm inviting you into the presence of God to a moment of surrender. Whatever it is you're dealing with, God wants you to bring it to Him and give it to Him. Would you stand with me? The altar's always open. Whatever you're dealing with, if God is inviting you into this surrender moment, please come forward. Please give it to Him.
This is an opportunity for you. God's word says you've been given this opportunity right now. So all you got to do is surrender it. Let him have it. Don't leave with it. Don't take it home with you. Surrender it right here today. God, we thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your Holy Spirit. God, for those that are not going through it in the moment, thank you for those seasons of peace you give us between the storms. Thank you, God. So we so desperately need those where you just breathe life into us and we just thank you for that moment of peace. For those that are going through it, God, hey, church, those of you that are kind of in that place I was just praying about where we're at peace for a moment, like we're not in the middle of a storm, God's given you this moment so you can lift up your brothers and sisters because you know what it's all about. You've been there. So this is your opportunity to stand in the gap for them. These that are right here, they need you to lift them up. They need you to lift them up. God, here we are, confessing our brokenness, confessing our need of you, confessing that we can't do it on our own. We know it, God. Forgive us for trying. Forgive us for trying to do these things. And God, today we just come here for one reason. That's to surrender, to trust you, act in full obedience to you, understanding that this moment in our life is an opportunity to bring joy and glory to God, to let the world see that Jesus we serve is real. Thank you, God. Thank you for this moment. Thanks for this challenge. You are good to it, God. Our faith is real. You are real. This moment is real, and thank you for it. <laughs> thank you. Those of you that are here at the altar, you know exactly what God's talking to you about. Will you give it to Him? right now. Just give it to him. Lay it on his altar. Let him have it. God, we trust you. We give them to you. We give it to you. I give myself to you. Whatever it is he's talking about, just lay it there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. For Lord, it is there in the moment of surrender that we discover that peace and that presence of God. And it is here that we find our strength and how real you are. I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you for today. Thank you for this moment in our lives. We trust you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We trust you. We trust you. Thank you, God. Thank you, family of God. We love you. Thanks for being here today. I pray that you have an amazing week with God. We love you. You're dismissed. Thank you.